Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Osiris. Great. All right. Well, then that's that's that because we're already live. So it's like we're already we're already moving. What's up, everybody? Um, this is the it's the seventh of August, but we're talking about the fifth of August, so we're one day late, but 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 it's really right on time, I think. Um, Jonathan, do you uh, do you have a statement that you want to read, or do you want to wait? Uh, yeah, no. Let I think we should take this at the top. Um, I do wow. have statement. This is this is coming from I think the four of us ratified here. Extra, extra. Read all about it. It's on the HF Pod letterhead, right? Uh, yes, it says okay. at the top. So for once, we are agreed. Um, <laughs> Guy Forget is barely a song. At most, a set of lyrics with a common rhythm are shared between appearances. Arguably, this appearance on August 5th could be documented as little more than that of Manteca the same night. Tweezer with Guy Forget quotes. This would be the more extreme position. Foregoing that, this appearance should be no more than two minutes during which the lyrics are sung and rhythm maintained, after which we should note jam or, more reasonably, a resumption of tweezer. Yes. We are in an agreement as a podcast here. We believe this, that... This is a rare and important moment. <laughs> this is incredibly rare. There was no yelling. There was no bickering. There were no insults thrown. There was no, hey, I'm a vet. Hey, you're a noob. None of that. That happens pretty much daily here. That did not happen. I want to apologize for that comment from when I made that that time. <laughs> time, time before that. In all serious though, in seriousness, I mean, they're just trolling us. I think it's it's fine. You know, I think it's just a yeah. troll. Maybe, but no, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we have to we have to recognize that when Live Fish puts out the show the night of, I mean, they're literally like like with these MSG shows, they have them out at like 
before 12. So they're not spending any time thinking about this. They're like, oh, new song, bloop. And then they just let it rip until, oh, new song, bloop. And so that's not, that can't be taken as official. If Shapiro reviews it and puts it out in a compact disc or a LP record, that's a different conversation. But um, he, he didn't, it's not like he's looking at this stuff. So we, of course, then rely on fish.net and um, our good friends at fish.net, all volunteers, all hardworking, all great people, um, except Charlie, who is just an okay. No, I'm kidding. He's, he's, <laughs> he's average rate. We like Charlie. Um, they're, uh, they have, well, they have a committee amongst themselves mm-hmm. and they want to hear from us politely, politely, not angrily. Thus, we have our formal statement which will be hitting all uh you know media outlets shortly do they want to hear from us uh, not really they're going okay. they're going to whether they want to <laughs> they're going to so if it was so when they hear from you make sure you're nice about it be nice they don't cool. like to hear from us when we are angry they want to hear from us when we're diplomatic and i think yeah and i think fair. the only suggestion that we would make as i'm looking at the set list is that it reads tweezer into Guy Forget either into jam and then back into tweezer or back into tweezer at that point. I think that's the only adjustment that we would make at this point in time. I think Just that when they, they do jam chart timings and such though, they should, you know, consider that guy Forget. If you take it, if you listen to live fish and you say that, okay, this is where Guy Forget, Guy Forget, whatever the hell it is, it begins. Um, go about two minutes. It's clearly not that after that. Like the rhythm's yeah. changed. They're not singing it. That's the rest of that time through up until what's the use? That's tweezer. Yes. Or jam yeah. into tweezer, whatever the hell you want to, you know. It's it's not key for shame. I mean, it's not That's as all. clear as like the the ghost from 2011, where it's so obviously the ghost jam, like right away. But yeah, definitely. Even that, it's still like tweezer. it's it's ghost forge, right? Um yeah. <laughs> But uh, well, it, the, the one in 2000 where they play Guy Forget is, you know, like if you go to re-listen, it's tracked as like a 15 minute. And it's not that. It's like, again, it's like a couple minutes. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't get technical. It's a couple minutes. And then it's a great Piper Jam or Jam. And I, I think this, the specifics around this is that there's no music associated with Guy Forget. So how can a Guy Forget be 15 minutes because you're not including actual music? Whereas right. Tweezer, we know not only is a riff, lyrics, melody, but also once you crack open the freezer, that's all Tweezer at that point in time. That's that's Tweezer, Guy Forget, back into the Tweezer sentiment, back into the Tweezer riff, back into jamming, into what's the use. Can a Kung be 15 minutes long? If you were to stretch the lyrics out, I think that it could, exactly. but I don't think that they yeah. would. The longest Kung, I believe, is around six minutes, which was the 12203 version. Is um, that one of those really slow ones? Really slow. They took a long time building it out in the middle of Frankenstein. Um, Catapult's the same sort of way. If they took their time playing Catapult and singing Catapult, uh, the Dix 2021 version comes to mind where the machine lyrics return over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, those songs are the lyrics, whatever music is playing underneath them, and then back into the preceding song or a jam. All right. Can we, we um, horse yeah, is there any way to, right? 
Yeah, is there any way to stop talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, uh, the reasons to beat a dead horse include, as an example to the other horses. So um, I think we've made that example very clear. So let's, um, I let's, just want to also acknowledge Neil, who is is a co-host of Always Almost There, and he... Um, if there those of you listening can't see this comment, it was his first tweezer since Big Cypress. And he said, I can't believe my first tweezer in almost 24 years has been reduced to a G G4J controversy. Sorry, Neil, but also it's exciting. Sorry, Neil. Um, okay. So we had such a great 10th anniversary party on Saturday afternoon, Brian and Jonathan, you were missed. Although we, we did, we did talk about you a lot. Um, it was really great. So many people came out and so many so many people said that they were so happy that we were still doing the podcast and Mike Greenhouse from Relics interviewed us and then we talked about the show. I mean, it was it was it was great. So thank you everybody for coming out and for streaming. Those of you who watched, it was really it was great. great I day. watched it from home. It was uh it was nice. And thank you for really the kind words. Yeah, I just I tried to, to watch for coming out. Go ahead, Brian. I was just gonna say I tried to watch from the car, but uh eastern Montana, what do you know? Not a lot of broadband internet. Yeah, that's rough on the road to hear. I want to thank everyone for coming out, though. So many people coming up saying such nice things and being so supportive of the pod. And we had a lot of ladies in the house coming up thanking thanking me for doing what I'm doing. And, and it was exciting. And so I want to thank them. And also just the bitter end was great. And it was really cool to be in this kind of historic New York venue and celebrating all the work that, that RJ and Brad and Matt and you guys have all put forward for 10 years. So it was really special. It was great. And then there's a fish show. Okay. Sub one of the last night of MSG was Loving Cup into Maze, Martian Monster and Divided Sky into Prince Caspian into NICU, Steam, Drift While You're Sleeping. Um, this was this was wild. Um, so Megan, what what was your what was your take on the first set and, and where where was the um yeah, actually thanks for the comment. Yes, we did actually went we went on we walked all over Midtown. New York, Midtown, and Brooklyn, looking for pizza. Um, we did for, for hours, and we finally finally found it hours later. Um, so, okay, what Megan were your highlights of the first set? Well, I was in my feelings this first set. I think I texted everybody that it was an incredible set of fish. Which on relisten, maybe that was a little hyperbolic, but I was having a really great time, and <laughs> I loved the first set. Um, I thought the Caspian was just unbelievable. I mean, I think they're playing. The beginning, like opening with Loving Cup, just had this like really great kind of, I would never have called that as an opener, but when they played it, I was like, this is perfect. Like it was just, it felt so right. I'm loving that they're playing like these classic rocks, like Beatles and the Rolling Stones and like these perfect kind of important moments during this run. It's so great. I thought Martian Monster also, Trey sounded like his guitar was almost searing. Like it had this real beautiful, intense, like just cutting through everything tone. Um, and then the Caspian totally, totally blew my mind. Like it's just, it felt longer than 16 minutes. I love how the jam, like it just had this driven feeling really, he was on the crunchy, like effect pedal right away, which was really different from like kind of the softer, sweeter places they were finding, especially a lot on Saturday, uh, I mean Friday. So it was really great to hear that. And I just thought like, Mike's echoing him and starts laying down like this sick bass line. It gets really bluesy and rocking. It's really, really dancey. And the peak was incredible. The crowd went nuts during this. It was so exciting to hear them kind of cracking open so early in the show. And the end, though, was just super thrilling. I felt like 
it started to kind of disintegrate into noises. Fishman starts like moaning and it sounded like they were going to go into something really trippy or weird, like like catapult or something. But then Trey started playing NICU and that was fine because I like NICU, but, but the Caspian was really kind of like that peak moment for me in the first set. Um, so I did the, I did the research for a change and uh, because I love Loving Cup and as an opener, I was like, yes. And mm-hmm. I realized the last Loving Cup show opener was 624, 2004, Deer Creek. Wow. And prior to that, and I triple checked this, prior to that was 41794 at the Patriot Center, Fairfax, Virginia, uh, which would have been my first show, but it wasn't. And that's a story for another podcast. Um, but amazing. Yes. Yeah, actually shocking that it's that rare since then. I think it was more common prior to when it was first played in 93. It's the kind of thing that they, you know, like to highlight the piano, but then, you know, very, yeah, now very I always rare think of it as like an encore or something or like and that's, second that's set. where it yeah. primarily exists. Yes. It's an encore yeah. set closer. It's often paired with maze though, which is interesting to see mm. when it does show up in the first set. And, uh, this was a great maze, um, beautiful divided sky and the, the Caspian, um, I have a few notes and I don't want to read something that somebody else wrote really quick. Um, uh, my notes were about the Caspian where the groans kind of rippled across the online universe, uh, which is hilarious because that's how people respond to this song. Cause they're, I don't know. I don't understand it's it. Dumb. It's a fucking cool it song and has great potential get over it um and then fish goes for it you know so this one is really for the true believers and the groaners have to wait in the bathroom lines or something um, <laughs> so it's a hell of a peak uh it made maze seem mellow the peak in this caspian so wild and intense and then yeah they drop into those weird moaning vocals uh before it goes in icu and i love in icu so i was like i mean it is still first set after all um i yeah. was into that uh and uh, our friend uh, Drew Hitz uh, posted this on Mastodon. I'm going to read this because he gets into kind of the details of of this. He says, what happened is that Fisherman changed the groove of the straight ahead fucker pants jam and the pocket instantly shifted into something filthy and deep. The exploring started instantly when he did. And, uh, you know, to write Drew, of course, always with uh excellent insight into what's happening and he is correctly identifying fishman as that kind of the source for this and uh as he was all year so far yeah. mm-hmm. it was crazy the whole set was really crazy i thought it was like i mean you know more more intense on on in person than upon re-listen but um yeah. it, it just never stopped like the whole it was just it was just non-stop it was really it was a lot of fun but it also i mean i think the the loving cup opener was just so unexpected but um a really great way to 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 start but that that caspian brian do you did they end the caspian too early no, I, I thought it was I thought it was a fine transition. I, I thought kind of what Megan was saying, that last minute it seemed like they were moving into another jam space, maybe something like catapult, but the NICU felt it didn't feel egregious to my ears. It mm-hmm. felt like it worked in the moment. Uh, like Jonathan said, we're still in the first set. We're going to most likely go into another jam. It's it's rare that we get a 20-plus minute first set jam, um, especially when it goes pretty dark. So I thought it was I thought it was appropriate. And ICU is 
relatively rare at this point in time. Um, I thought kind of similar to what you guys are saying. I can imagine being there, being the last night of the run, the songs that are played, it would feel really intense. It's kind of a big hearted set to me. It feels mm-hmm. really classic at times. Songs like Martian Monster are only 10 years old, but feel like a classic fish song at this point in time. Uh, Drift While You're Sleeping is a pretty classic set closer at this point and harkens back to the days where they would close with, you know, a fluff head uh, in regular first mm-hmm. sets back in the early 90s, where you have like a compositional piece that leads to a big peak. Um, steam you know, for the longest time was the only fish debut in between the 09 and 13 run of songs that, that were, that were debuted. So like it kind of, it, it feels familiar when it's thrown in there, but that run of loving cup maze, divided sky, Prince Caspian, and ICU. I mean, that's just about as classic fish first setting as you can get. And then to have Prince Caspian evolve the way that it did. It is amazing. Like to your point, Jonathan, um, I just went through the jam chart and I think that there are a couple missing, but based on the jam chart, since the Magna ball version, there's including Saturday nights, there have been seven jam charted Prince Caspians. It's a pretty good rate for a song over the last eight years that even when it doesn't go into a jam, it's not, it's not treated the way that it was in the late nineties where it was right. strictly a landing yeah. pad and strictly a, Hey, the jam is over and now we're moving into another part of the set. The band clearly sees it as a way to further exploration, which has happened with other songs. Chuck does torture specifically comes to mind that these songs were utilized in one way and now is utilized in another way. And you think I, about like how many other jam vehicles they have now and they're still choosing to explore in that them. space. Right. Right. Yeah. right. That's a good just, point. You know, it's just, I, yeah. I agree. I, re- I really like the the final bit also of Steam. I mean, Steam ripped Trey, mm-hmm. you know, turned on his gnarly tone and uh, and it was great. But there is at the end of it, there is this bit of like a digital delay loop kind of thing happening for just a moment. It kind of goes in the feedback before they uh, kicked into Drift While You're Sleeping. And I was I was digging that, too. Yeah, that drift at the end of the set, like I was lucky enough to be standing next to Brad Tenbrook for that. And that song's so emotional. And we both got to like tell each other why that song's so special to us and then like listen to this beautiful song it was just it was a great moment so it was great always end a set with that it's beautiful um yeah it's a um i was explaining to dave my friend dave who's who's seen a lot of shows but is not up on the you know songs as much about that song I was like, just wait until this, you know, there's like seven parts to it. And then there's this yeah. like part that's kind of reggae like. And then at the end, they talk about, he talks about love a lot. And then we'll, you know, then we'll, move through, we'll move through stormy weather together. <laughs> um, okay. Second set. You guys ready? Heck yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot happening here. Set your soul free. Tweezer into G4J. Into what's the use? Into sense. Into Tweezer, into Everything's Right, into Number Line, into Tweezer Reprise, Encore Harry Hood. It's quite a serious situation here. Um, the kind of, uh, I guess, controversy aside, what do you, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this, this set? What were the highlights? How did it, how did it hit you? I'd love to hear how it, hit, how it hit at home, and then maybe we'll talk about what it was like in the room. Well, I was sick, so I was laying down on my sofa and fell asleep during set break, and I woke up, and it was Tweezer. So I have not gone back to listen to Set Your Soul Free. Um, So, Brian, you can tell me if that's worth doing. Um, This Tweezer is a monster, 
And I don't think anybody needs me to tell them that. Um, I was just absolutely in awe. Like they were, they were moving out and out quickly. Um, I think when I looked at the timings after, you know, in the morning, leave aside the controversy, as you said, um, to think that it was only six, almost seven minutes in that they found themselves in the Guy Forget, like yeah. they were off a deep end quickly um, yeah. and just gone and then and stayed gone. Uh, just what an immense jam. The uh, what's the use? Um, the the thing they can do with that, you could, it's funny. So during the pause, quiet pause, the audience was crazy loud and I just wanted them to be quiet, but all it took to get them to quiet was for Trey to hit one note. Suddenly everybody's listening. And I love that. I love that. I wish everybody would shut the fuck up during the long pause too and feel it then, but they won't. We've heard divided sky. We know what happens with people. Uh, but, uh, it's great power over the room uh, during that. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful place to go. Um, and then I, I, I saw some uh, complaints online about things like everything's right and number line. But, you know, they were kind of inevitable and they were good. And, you know, Neil Landry talking here about the energy in the room. The energy was palpable from home in the first set too, like you could hear it like waves of mm-hmm. excitement. I think I texted you guys about it during like maze or something. It was just wild. And you could see the jumping during, uh, Oh gosh, I don't even remember which song it was. It was during, it was, it might've been Tweezer reprise. Probably a reprise. Train that was, was jumping. Insane. The audience was jumping. Every, the, the room was probably was jumping. Like it was, wild to witness you could see and you know collect some of that energy through the stream so it had to have been immense in place um what a just crazy good set and um i want to reserve the balance of my time to speak about harry hood after you guys go (laughs) yeah I, i share similar sentiments to you i mean i think ultimately the second set is pretty emblematic of the overall run in the sense that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't feel like the band, rightly so, felt like they had to match what happened six years ago when they did a residency in the same room. And I think that they approached this as, let's give people seven really high-quality fish shows. Let's, you know, bring a ton of energy. Let's um, lean into where things are, are really strong with us musically right now. And a lot of that kind of coalesces around the fact that Trey's guitar playing is really, really strong right now. Um, that his 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 desire to lean off of his effects and into full solos and full riffs was really apparent throughout the entire run. Um, there was a uh, recording that was shared with me at some point on Saturday. Um, I'm I'm blanking on who it was, but someone paired up the intro to Mike's song from the Baker's Dozen with the intro on eight four, and the speed and the punch and the like spunk that you hear out of the band in 2023 continue uh, compared to this era that is highly celebrated for a lot of really justifiable reasons was very noticeable and was really uh just you know incredible to hear how 
six years later, these guys are still improving. It kind of speaks to a lot of what we've discussed around Trey's singing and his use of his vocal range, that this isn't a band that's slowing down, that is resting on any laurels, that is just playing because the tickets will sell and the people will show up. They're playing Matt because they're continuing cited to play. That. Go ahead. Matt yeah. cited that tempos on Saturday, and yeah. my stream cut out right during his point, unfortunately. Uh, but he was uh, he was talking about that, how the tempos are way up, and it's just everything's it's driving. Everything's kind of driving itself. You know, Paige and Trey are locking in. That's driving more. You know, Mike uh, Mike's tone is cutting right through the middle with the Seric bass, and that's driving things. And Fishman is on fire, and like it this is it's unbelievable this is the 40th anniversary of this band brian i'm sure you had more i I have more i want to pause it just because i know rj has 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 a hard stop and we'll we'll probably end up uh going over but um, Mm. rj you were there by all accounts uh by multiple reports in the room you had a smile on your face your hands were up Uh, i don't know if the columbia jersey was on it it sounds like Mm -mm. you know just a standard fair fish show for you you know every everything's everything's right just hold tight but uh tell us tell us your thoughts i'm just i mean it's yeah it's the same i mean for me it's the same every show it's just amazing and fun every time um i did i do want to like i i i made we made a slight mistake of trying to go down and hang out behind the stage because like sometimes at some venues you can do that and there's room and you can kind of move around at MSG. They're so particular about like sections and like the security is, is pretty, it's pretty wild. So we like, I would say that I lost like 20 minutes of that set, like moving around and getting coming back. And it's, it's just a good reminder to like, just, you know, I was like, maybe if we go down there with our other friends, we'll have more fun. It's kind of like, if you take drugs and then you're like, well, maybe I feel great, but what if I take twice as many? I'll be, I bet I'll feel better, <laughs> um, which I've never done, but I've read about. But it's um, a gamble, is, yeah. That's so, works, right? yeah. So I I do feel like my my the set was sort of interrupted a little bit for me while I was moving up and down in in these different places. But the way that the they brought this like run together was just, I mean, pretty pretty phenomenal. You know, the way that they ended this with uh i think like the the tweezer you know everything's right number line tweezer reprise was just it was just the room was just insanely energetic that's the only show i saw um of the run and i mean it was just it felt like a new year's show or something it was just like so everyone was so happy and so high energy and it just and trey's playing was just incredible um along with fishman of course i mean they're all just outrageous right now but Fishman and Trey in particular really stood out to me. And yeah, what a way to, to close it. And the hood encore was just, you know, I think you could see that coming from a mile away, but it was just, it was perfect just because it was not, <laughs> it was, it was wild, you know, which kind of matched the vibe of the whole run. It was just, it was great. Yeah. I was pretty blown away by the, the structure and the kind of continuity that they were able to build throughout this run. I think that when you think about, I was at, when I was at the first night, I couldn't believe the energy in the room. I was just absolutely blown away by what the power that they brought on stage and the authority that they were playing with and the the set listing. And I think when you think about that and then compare it with the last night, which I think was just as strong, but in a totally different way, it's incredible because I was trying to like rank the nights of which I what I liked best. And looking at each of these nights, they all had something that was just awesome. You know, they all had some moment or some jam or some perfect set 
that was just really kind of like extraordinary. And this set blew me away in the room. You know, we were all waiting for the tweezer. And when it started, tweezer at MSG just hits different. And this one is just, it was so great. And it starts out with such a dancey, soulful section. And it's really funky, which is something I felt like they were hitting a lot this week too. Like just finding that groove pocket, finding those melodies, just hitting them really well. And then that moment when they started singing G4J, like I was dying. I was like jumping up and down, like screaming. Like I was so excited. I don't care whether it's fucking tracked for this long or whether it's like counts Mm -hmm. for stats. I had that moment and nobody can take that away from me. I got to hear some kind of G4J and it was so awesome. And I was just going bananas, just jumping up and down. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they're singing this. Like it was just unbelievable. And then like they launch right into this like beautiful, really bubbly effervescent space, which is where they've been finding themselves so much, so much on Friday night in that really serene spot. But this one moved like really confidently through like melody and has this like huge soaring peak that Trey's like pulling at the edges of like fraying it. It was really cool. And when they come back into tweezer, it just sounded so strong. And and the last few minutes are like really patient and experimental. It was just like really dark foreboding soundscapes and landing in what's the use. I was with RJ and he turned to me and he's like, this is going to be what's the use. And when it started, it was like that hearing that at Madison Square Garden is one of my most favorite things. That song is so beautiful and has so much tension and space in it. And hearing it in a big room like that, like I know what you're talking about, Jonathan, that, that they were ye- people were yelling during the pause, but during the playing, everyone was pin yes. drop quiet pin drop quiet and to have that many people no one I didn't hear a single person talking throughout the whole entire last show not a single person like it was just people were so locked in and that just is so magical to hear and the rest of the set was great but the reprise oh my god like the room (laughs) the only time I've ever felt anything close to that in my entire life was the yam on the last night of the baker's dozen because that was like everybody had been waiting for that and the whole room literally I was you know it's like dancing on a surfboard though I was right behind the stage again and it was just the whole room was bouncing underneath you and it just nothing feels like that and Trey was running around to every part of every section and playing to them and turning around and people were just losing it when they came near him it was just like you could feel how much like they they loved that and when Trey made that comment before reprise about like how like you know he's as big of fans as as us as we are of them and how he hopes they can keep doing that like you just felt like it was just a moment in history it was amazing. And I'm really excited to talk about Hood too, but I want to hear what you guys think about it first. I mean, I think you covered it better than I could. Uh, honestly, uh, it was it was great. And it was great to watch. It was great to see Trey jumping up and down at the front of the stage. Yeah. Um, and and to, to see that he was doing that thing of going around to the different points, uh, you know, and turning to the to the people behind him and stuff, just much to the chagrin of the the camera people. But like, you know, <laughs> you know, you're watching from home and you like see the confusion in the cameras and you know that what is happening is like exciting people even more uh, than the, you know, the best like two and a half minutes and and jam rock and roll. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the same page with you guys in terms of the energy. I think it came through the stream, and, and I think it comes through listening back. Um, 
I think I want to say two things. One, I want to give a big shout out. We are getting comments from what I believe, who I believe is Mike Horn, Sea Wind of Battery, um, who um, said here, nothing encapsulates their energy more than MSG. I want to just give a big shout out for anyone listening who I'm going to make a large comparison here, but I think you'll get my point. If you like the fish song, what's the use? And if you like the space that fish found in the middle of the hairy hood, I would highly recommend going on to uh, bandcamp.com and checking out Sea Window Batteries clock watching. It was a huge, huge record oh. for me last year. One of my favorite. Cool. Everyone who I've sent it to, anyone who has sent it to me, they're all like people who I've sent it to have been like, oh my God, this is the space of music that I needed to find. Anyone who sent it to me are the type of people who send me only good music. So you can, you know, it's, it's one of those records that uh, Jonathan Hart, one of them, uh, Josh Carver, another one, uh, big record uh, for all of us last year, but highly, highly. Now on vinyl too, by the way. Now on vinyl. And, and oh, yes. Mike just put out, I want to get the name right here, Live Wind Volume 1, which I've listened to only once and was fantastic up on band. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Great dude. Great, great music. Um, yeah, I got to meet him um, at MSG and tell him that because both of you sent me that record and it honestly it was one of the best albums that I've listened to the most. I've listened to that album probably more than anything in the past year. It's so beautiful. It and yeah, and it was great to meet him and he's awesome guy and i fully support everything you just said <laughs> yeah amazing amazing stuff so check that out um in terms of the set i mean i think I, I i've been thinking about this run a lot because this was in a lot of cases this and the spring run and what we more or less have coming up in the fall feel like a structural shift in terms of the way that fish is touring. And I think it feels like, um, something that really leans into what the band does incredibly well, which is zero in on a time and a place, throw all of their energy and all of their ideas at that and then get out. And it feels yeah. like from an age standpoint, from a life standpoint, that, 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 we could be completely wrong, but that feels like where this is going directionally that we're, we're, we're going to see less like gigantic tours and more residencies, more shorter runs. And I'm personally for it. I thought the spring run was phenomenal, uh, musically and like thematically that is where my kind of musical brain goes in terms of how dark and abstract and exploratory a lot of those jams were. Conversely, you got this MSG run that was less about exploration overtly and less about let's get into like dramatically weird and dimly lit places. And it was more about this is who we are as a band when everyone is together in a really celebratory fashion. And you kind of mm -hmm. got this interesting yin, yin yang of the band in a way that both are incredibly high level both have a ton of re-listenable value. Um, both just give you different moods and different tones of who Fish is. And listening back to this, the highlights of this run, what really strikes me and what really struck me about Saturday night's second set is you got that kind of pranksterous, more humorous side of fish than you got in the spring but you still got there was something for everyone you know so like saturday night second set has 
new songs for those of us who really believe in the band continuing to write songs. It got classic songs. It got a, apparently a huge bust out. It got really deep jamming. It got segues. It got incredible rock energy. And it got a song like Harry Hood that does two things. It both can jam, it gives you the emotions, and it also harkens back to those early days of Fish when they were playing in the living room and nobody was coming to watch. And so the set, like, you know, there were all these rumors going around on Saturday about a three-set show, about mm-hmm. additional rigs coming in and this and that. At the end of the day, the run and the show, the final show on Saturday, were what the band set out to do, which was to play a seven-night residency at MSG, and that's all that we needed. And we got that, and I would argue more from a, a overall jamming, segue, shock value standpoint throughout the entire seven nights. The yeah, everybody playing the that. run. Right, the theme for the run was Trey gets to sleep in his own bed. That's it. <laughs> Everything else, it's just fish. And he said it on night one is. during cities. This is the best. I found the best city to live in. Yeah, exactly. It. I mean, I think that like everyone was saying that to me all day Saturday. Like, you're going to play three sets. All the ushers are saying it. The ushers know. Everybody's saying they're they paid till twelve thirty. Everybody's knowing it. I'm like, they're not. The theme is what you guys said it was going to be from the beginning that they're just going to destroy Madison Square Garden and they're going to do it using all of their tricks that they know. They're going to use great improvisation. They're going to use incredible set listing. You know, they're going to nod back to moments in their history. They're going to take bust outs that people can argue about. They're going to have fishman antics. Like they're going to do all their stuff and they're going to do it well. And they did it perfectly. I've, I, I'm blown away by this run, totally overwhelmed by the amount of music. I'm still processing. I feel like I'm going to be listening back to this and remembering like moments that I didn't even process in, in this, in the moment. Cause it was just so overwhelming, but ending with this hood, so perfect. Everybody knew it was coming and it was stunning. It gets so quiet again, really spacey and psychedelic, but in a really soft way, really eerie, beautiful. And the way the riff just comes out of that peak, just pure magic. That's exactly how you want to end that run. It was just chef's kiss. Beautiful little atypical jam. Yeah. Not super long, but just beautiful. Um, And I was... As I mentioned earlier, I had dozed off during set break. I wasn't feeling well. And I was kind of emotionally ready for bed, I think. Well, maybe physically ready for bed. But emotionally, I was still engaged in the fish show at this point during Harry Hood. And I was like, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to do Hood. Okay, great. Awesome. I love Hood. This is going to be fun. And uh, and then they'll do five more songs uh, because that's the way these encores have been going this summer. Uh but I knew really intellectually they wouldn't do five more. They would do one good hood and uh, yeah, really good hood. Yeah. I, I think t- to that point, it's a really interesting thing because we, we've discussed throughout this tour, you know, there's, there's the 40th anniversary hanging over the band. There's the MSG residency. And so there was a lot of like, what do these things mean? What does this mean? What do all the debuts mean that have immediate jam potential? What do the encores mean when they're going five, six songs? What do 65 song uh, minute sets or 75 minute sets, whatever, whatever they're playing. And we all kind of went back and forth. And I think ultimately the thing that, you know, uh, fish tours are so interesting because there are themes that are built up along the way and there are repetitions and moments where you know things are called back to but i think ultimately you find with like a tour finale that the band is not so much looking back at what happened on the tour as looking forward at 
as what comes next. And it's, it's a good reminder that this band never sits still. The band that we heard in the spring was not the band that we heard last summer, which was not the band that we heard the previous fall. The band that we hear this summer is not going to be the band that we hear at Dick's entirely. It's not going to be the band we hear at the fall, whatever happens this winter. And, you know, so this idea of, of a tour that had so many stunning encores ending with just one encore song, but that encore song gets jammed out. It feels both thematically unified and also slightly different from what we had heard in the past. Um, I do have just a couple quick, very quick notes and questions as we go forward here. Um, number one, if we remove the tweezer from eight, five, from the 20 minute jam conversation, which I believe at this point, we unfortunately have to. No, um, I disagree with that. I'm just stating that for the record and not uh, selfishly perhaps. <laughs> well, if we do, no, it was tweezer. we land at 10, 20 minute jams for this, for the tour. If we don't, we land which at was 11. my over and un, over under call. I did take the under, so I'm not claiming any accuracy other than I was like, it, that's the line. I lost this around Wilmington. Um, when you, had, just, you lost this the day you made it, made it, gave us a number, Brian. <laughs> optimistic. I like to be optimistic. I mean, good for you. Yeah, it's better to be, I, I don't know. I just think if you underestimate, then when you're wrong, you're still going to be happy. Rhinestorm makes an important note here that yeah. there are still six shows left on this tour. That is true. I, I think the chances of them getting eight more 20-minute um, jams. I am thinking of this tour as ending on Saturday and SPAC I'm sorry, being summer tour is over. SPAC is a separate thing. Fall tour is fall tour. Just go sit down, Brian. Ryan, just take a break, Mr. Storm. I am sitting. Um, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, they do endless dicks along with the summer tour. So technically, technically it is, but um, yeah, it's up for debate. So 10, 11, 20 minute jams. I will say that if you would, told me that that was what we were getting and then on top of that we were getting jams like a 17 minute sample the ghost uh a wave of hope from wilmington that goes 1959 you fuckers um they're pretty close and and i picked 14 this is not hand grenades if you if you think about them getting closer you know i feel like jonathan and i were probably like right in somebody was right in the middle of us That'd be perfect. But these other really close jams, you know. I think the the point is that, and my perspective is that there was a lot of creativity even when they, it's something that we've, we've known for years now. When they jam for 12 minutes, that 46 days is a perfect example. Um, when they jam for 14 minutes, for 17 minutes, for 32 split minutes, whatever it ends up being, split up in a melt. There's a lot of ideas exchanged. And I think ultimately um, our parlor game worked out in terms of creating some tension um i will <laughs> revisit my approach as we as we go to fall tour but um i just wanted to notate that um question for you guys so we have spack on the horizon we have dicks on the horizon and then we have an eight show fall tour on the horizon um do you have any thoughts just in terms of where the band goes musically we saw this very dimly lit spring tour with some repeats um not a ton of bust out activity we see the summer tour very celebratory lots of bust outs some big jamming any any thoughts on what's to come or just kind of roll with it 
I mean, one thing that stood out to me this summer was all the debuts, too. And I think that they're going to be pushing new music and they're going to be jamming. You know, I think Oblivion and The Well are just going to be epic songs this end of summer and fall. And I think it's just going to be them continuing to push themselves to play lots of new music. I mean, we had 10 original debuts this tour. That's pretty incredible for a song or for a band in their 40th year, you know, 10 original songs. So I think they're going to be pushing new music, pushing jamming. And um, yeah, I think this summer was interesting because there was so much more kind of brighter, effervescent, bubbly jamming where spring was so dark. So I don't know what that means for fall or what's next, but um, it'll be exciting, whatever it is. I think more of the same. And by the same, I mean, I think it's going to be fish playing well. I think fish jamming in varying modes. I think fish, you know, I think the dicks evolve is going to be awesome. And I'm, I'm envious of you already, Brian. Hell yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I just, I think they're going to keep kind of pushing. They're playing at a high level and I think it's going to continue that way. Agree with that. And then the last question I have, um, I keep hearing, although these are third-hand sources because I'm not uh, I'm not online, but I keep hearing rumors that we are getting a winter 40th anniversary run tour type of thing. You guys have any thoughts on that? What do you think, Jonathan? Uh, I I have mixed feelings because, as you know, I can't walk near a microbe without picking it up so uh you know uh, but alternatively i prefer indoor fish so i i mean i'm kind of excited about the idea but i am lately the couch tour all-star as it says on my shirt um so i don't know i, need I mean that unless, unless they come yeah, to hampton <laughs> then uh i'll send you a link bro. uh unless they come to hampton uh i don't know that i will catch them or maybe you know, we you you touched on this earlier, Brian. You know about like this the MSG residency being possibly like a good kind of shape of things to come. Like this is maybe the model, or could yeah. be the model, and um and we talked about this on our text chain a little bit. And I was like, you know, I I kind of agree. Um, and and then I joked about like hmm, seven nights at Hampton, but that's a terrible idea, honestly. Hampton can't handle that. Hampton can barely handle three nights, and I mean that as a city. <laughs> the venue's fine uh, if you're okay with the venue, then the venue's fine. But the city can't really do it. But these urban venues like Seattle, MSG, uh, San Francisco's got a couple. You know these kinds of places. On the other hand, might be perfect. The kinds of places where people can go to a city park their cars or not bring them at all. If the transportation is right, like New York city, you don't have to drive to New York city. If you're in the Northeast, people fly in, train in, whatever. Um, those kinds of places are like that. That's where fish should play. Book it, you know, get tray an apartment, you know, fill it with poster boards and marker or whatever it needs to get through a long run. Um, you know, <laughs> practice amp and, you know, just so he can simulate being at home and, uh, and just, stay put for a minute play for six shows in a city that's what i want it to be and i think this may be their opportunity to do it let's go do boston for four nights at the what is it the tv mm. bank or whatever they call their arena now the garden not the garden maybe it's a garden i don't know um go do that um smalbany or somewhere you know just like 
that's what I think we should see on the fall. And that's what I think we should see in the coming years more and more of obviously summer tour is going to be sheds because that's what they do. But um, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I think, I, I think from a residency standpoint, MSG makes the most sense because of the logistics, because that's where the fan base is. And if you're traveling in, yes, it's pricey. I get it, but it's pricey to go anywhere these days. And it's pricey to go to any fish show next year. Going Vegas. To MSG. Yeah. Vegas would make sense just because everybody's going to travel in. Um, I am terrified of the idea of more than four fish shows in Las Vegas because four is kind yeah. of the maximum of what I can handle. I in that think city. that um, adult humans should be able to handle it. That being said, many fish fans only cannot. simulate adulthood um, between tour. So <laughs> you, you have to, you have to have a little self-control perhaps, but um I, think I guess I my thought is like MSG could be the rotating residency. And then we would mm-hmm. see a, a, a smattering of, you know, a West coast eight show tour, a Midwest eight show tour, a Southeast eight show tour, kind of like what we saw last spring. Smattering. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, a Southwest, you know, um, th- these, these regional tours where it's just, they pop in, they're only playing on the West coast. They're only playing in the Midwest. They're only playing in the Southeast. And then MSG is this residency and they kind of get, you know, these, these sheds every so often, um, in terms of a winter tour, I'm just kind of thinking out, out loud, like, you know, a, a really nice eight show run that gives us Albany, maybe Glens Falls, uh, Portland, Maine, and Worcester. You know, those four, those four venues, three or four venues, um, really gives us like a classic Northeastern feel uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary. It could be really, really nice. I would, I would love to see something on, on, on that level. Why, why no Boston proper? Come on. Everything I've heard about the TD Garden is it's not a very good place to see a show, and they've only played there twice. Yeah. Worcester, they have not played since 2013, which has to be a venue reason. There has to be some upgrades that are needed, but that kind of Northeastern College gym, the way that they approach the 30th anniversary fall tour, um, it's those have to be bigger. Yeah. Probably going to have to be a little bit bigger, but um, I don't know. There's 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 something about that that would speak. I wouldn't go, but it would be magical yeah. to uh, to watch from afar. It's kind of like a throwback, which I think would be really nice. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I want more fish this year because they're just playing incredibly well. And I think that Trey's, like you were saying, Brian, taking these eight show tours or a residency for seven shows, and he's killing it with the set list. Like he's doing such a good job of kind of like thinking about it and, and laying it out really well. And and I think that'd be great to do over the winter. I'd love I'd love to have have them shows to watch or listen to. I don't know. I need to, I can't even think about going to another fish show right now because I'm just like so <laughs> exhausted, but, um, I'm sure I'd rally by then. <laughs> uh, and we can get you some spec tickets. I'm sure. I, I honestly, no, I think my family would <laughs> kick me out. I think I'd be homeless. <laughs> Couch tour is fun. I will, I will say that. Yes. I will say that. Um, yeah, it is fun. On that note, uh, we are going to leave you all to speculate on Guy Forget or not. Um, we we have read our statement. Uh, our lawyer prepared it. it We're going to release uh, it. There's a raised seal, and uh, <laughs> we stand of, do by. Do we cheat him and how? A raised seal. <laughs> um, thank you all for hanging with us. Thank you for listening. Thanks everyone who came out for the 10th anniversary party and stream and or stream from home. Thanks for everyone who has hung out in the comments section this whole tour. You guys 
you make these shows so much fun. You give us stuff to react to in the moment and make us feel like we're not just shouting out in the void. And that makes a lot of sense. That makes, that makes a lot big difference. Um, we'll be back on Friday with, I don't know yet. 2006, right? Yeah, but we I don't know which going, show. Mm-hmm. We, we need to, we need to get, um, RJ dropped off so we can't pressure him in the moment. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to pressure him behind the scenes, but we're going to be covering something from fish 2006 as we restart the 40 for 40 March onwards to 2023. Uh, and then we'll be back with, uh, most likely quick hits following SPAC and the Dick shows. We'll do a big summer tour recap in early September, uh, before continuing on this March, we have this big March going on of, uh, covering, uh, fishes 40 years, but we have fall tour as well. We're going to possibly have a winter tour. We'll have new year's Eve. There's a lot to come. So, um, really, really excited here. Uh, thank you all for hanging with us throughout the summer. Hope you guys had a great summer tour yourselves and we will see you all in the year 2006. Thanks everyone. Bye y'all. See you on the internet. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.